If you can, real quick up there, Madison, can you take, can you go to that song, the beginning of that song? And the funny thing is, if you go to the, the lyrics of the first part, we're going to read our passage here in a minute. But before we do that, it was interesting because that song is done in Auld Lang Syne. Is that how it goes? Is it? And that's, that's, that's a New Year's song, right? And so these are words that have been put to that, uh, to that, uh, that choral arrangement or that arrangement. And so what's really interesting uh, to me, if you go to the very first, is that the first slide of the song? So listen to this. I, I picked this song because of Auld Lang Syne. And I love the, what it says. But I didn't, listen, this is weird. You're going, oh, your text this morning, you did it on purpose. I didn't do it on purpose. Watch this. This is so cool. Man, I'm like, man, this is, I wish I could tell you I did this on purpose. All right? Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise the house, in vain its builders strive. Unless the Lord does raise the house, in vain its builders strive. To you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me what is your life? A mist that vanishes at dawn, all glory be to Christ. All glory be to Christ our King, all glory be to Christ. Now, what is interesting, as we are remaining standing for God's word, watch this, watch this. James 4, 13 through 17. James 4, 13 through 17. As we're standing in reverence of God's word this morning, let us read together its text. Excuse me. I gave a wrong. What did I do here? Oh, that's why. I'm in the wrong book. We're good now. Ready? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. I did not mean for that to happen. But our song we just sang, there's a line from our very text. This morning, let us pray in reverence of this word. Father God, we do come before you. We prayed earlier this morning, Lord. We pray and we, we thank you first and foremost that we, two things, Lord, that we have the opportunity, the ability to come before you in prayer. Number one, and Lord, the, the wherewithal and the knowledge to know that we desperately need you, O oh God. Lord, we pray that this morning that you'd be in the word that is getting ready to be preached. Lord God, it is your word and living and active. And your word is life and it is truth. So Lord, we, we, we reverence your word this morning. We pray that you'd speak to us through it. I pray that we'd be changed because of it, Lord. Be with us and help us to worship you, worship you well this morning for your glory, for our joy and the good of a watching world that does not know you. We need you, O oh God. Be with us now in the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. Happy New Year. All right. This, well, it's, here it is again. We're here. We're here. We're in that place where New Year's resolutions are coming. Some of you will be 
apt to lose weight. Some of you are going to work hard to run that race this year. Some of you have committed to exercise more, work harder, get that promotion, take that trip. Here we are, Ben. We're here. I'm going to tell you something. I actually started a diet today, but y'all probably already saw that and recognized that. My wife has been talking to individuals and people in the life of the church. Misty, if you can, it's not in my notes. You get mad at me for this kind of stuff. Can you hold up what's beside of you real quick? Look at this. Some, some loving, kind person in our church is going to give Misty some food to give to her husband to make sure that he's healthy in 2023. And I actually do need it. It is that time of year, and here we are. I, I personally, this time of year, love going to social media. Uh, this is one of those moments where I love going to social media because I love what people write. It maybe shows you a little bit about my, my, my wicked sense of humor, but I'm like, what is people writing that they're going to do in 2023? I can't wait to see it. And so I'll get back to that in just a second. But while there is nothing inherently wrong, I want to say this real quick. I'm going to hear what I'm saying. While there is nothing inherently wrong with any of these, like we need to do all these things. These are good things for us to commit ourselves to in a new year and seek to establish them. I have always been somewhat amused at the amount of sheer dependence on personal words and willpower that many people seek to use in achieving these goals, which is the reason why I flock to social media this time of year. You see, if we are not careful, many of us can start our new year that we're getting ready, we already entered into in 2023, a bit misguided if we are not careful. In church, we have to be very, very careful. We approach that time now when pastors and even whole churches may even be tempted to entitle sermons this Sunday morning something like a new me in 2023. Yeah, you hear that? It's a t-shirt. And this is after last year's a new you in 2022. You can look forward to a time to thrive in 2025. Get, get fixed in 2026. Strive for moderately managed weight in 2028. Most of us moderately manage it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You're like me, all right? Looking and feeling fine in 2029. All right, all right. You can see I had a little bit too much fun with this, you know? I had a lot of fun. I went all the way to like 50-52, right? <laughs> but the thing is, is we live in a moment right now in a new year with cliches and words and promises and stuff that goes to social media. This is, this is my year. I'm claiming this thing. I'm putting it out there. And I want the world to know what is going to happen to me this year. I want to give you an example from Facebook. Now, what I want you to know is that this is something that I saw a couple years back, but I'm going to read it as if though it was uh, written for 2022 and 2023, okay? Even though this was like uh, four or five years ago. But I, I, I saw this, and I wrote it down and said, I'm, I'm always going to use this one. And here's what someone wrote on Facebook, a friend of mine on Facebook. The last six years of my life have been devastating. This is sad, that part's sad. Nobody knows the hurt and pain I have endured the negative stuff I've put up with and allowed in my life. I've known struggle. I've known heartache. I've known loneliness. I've known fear. I've known loss. I've loved. I've been left. I've watched as close friends were laid to rest way before their time. I watched my daddy take his last breath on earth and watched the life slip from his body. So as for allowing negative, unnecessary stuff to control my life, this includes your personal opinions of my life that are incorrect. So whoever's reading this. To rob me of my happiness? Yeah, no more. 
I'm done. I don't care what anyone thinks. This is my year. I'm going after anything and everything that I deserve. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. There's four of them. Don't like that? Take a seat. My dreams are sky high. Sit back and watch me make them come true. If someone makes me happy, if something makes me happy, you can, be, you, you can bet that's where I will be. And if it brings negativity, it will be cut out right out of my life. This is my life. This is where it changes for the better. Bring it, 2023. I'm ready for you. Now, while I have to admit that's in quote, listen, there's a lot of sad things there for sure. I mean, but here's the thing. How many of us, I don't know, how many of you, I was feeling pretty positive in 2020. You remember 2020? Y'all remember 2020? No, no, we just try to forget it. Yeah, 2020, I remember, I remember, uh, what was it, December of 2020 going, okay, there's the virus out there, but we're cool, right? What happened in 2020? It's a thing called COVID, right? My goodness, I love to see posts. I bring it 2020. Bring it 2021. I've got plans. I've got a trip I'm taking to Rome. No, you ain't. I'm going to start a new company. No, you ain't. There's a lot of things that were going on. And I just think, however, as we enter 2023, may we personally, even as a church, view our resolutions a bit differently than this individual who wrote their resolution or the way that they're going to attack their year did in their post. Let us approach 2023 the way the Lord would have us approach it. Now, this is a negative example of someone who, by the sheer work of their willpower and their desire and their words, I'm going to tackle my year. I'm going to be, I'm going to be shining in 23. I want you to hear something from, uh, at this time by a young man. I have a post up here by the, by the name of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards in history was known as one of the first, if not the first, uh, well-known theologians in American society. And Jonathan Edwards, actually, uh, Josiah, our, our, our child, his middle name is Josiah Edwards, named after this man. And one of the things that he did is that in, 19, excuse me, in 1722, it's 1722, at the age of 18 years old, 18, Jonathan Edwards wrote a series of 70 resolutions that he was going to live his life by. What in the world? 18 years old. I am going to do, I am going to do, I am going to do. It's a really fascinating read. It really is. If you read his 70, I'm not going to read them today, but there are 70 of them that are absolutely amazing. Now, what I want you to say real quick about those resolutions is this. Most of them had little to do with inner workings of himself outward, and most of it had to do how to glorify God in his life at 18, which is phenomenal and beautiful. But what I want you to know is that when he wrote the 70 resolutions, I want you to understand what he wrote at the beginning. The very top of his resolution, he has a set of sentences, and I think that it makes all the difference. And he wrote at the top of his resolutions in 1722 this, being sensible, I love that, that I am unable to do anything without God's help. Stop. Let me, let me say that one more time. Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him, which means turn to him, fall to him by his grace to enable, which is to strengthen, me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable 
to his will for, listen, here it is, whose sake? Christ's sake. Man, I wish I knew this and I wrote like this at the age of 18. Jonathan Edwards died a fairly young man, but yet he lived as a man for God way younger than some of us have, at least for me. And so it is interesting to see this before us, meaning this upcoming year, let us make plans. I want you to hear that from me, church. Let us set goals, let us strive for what is good and what is best in our lives, and as a church even, let's do that corporately. However, we must do so with God, which means I'm saying with his glory in mind, with great dependence upon his strength, his wisdom, and with his will more in mind than our very own, more than anything else. As I was writing that, that, that section of the sermon, Misty was reminding me, yeah, as we look at 2023, we need to ro- kind of roll into it, step into it with open hands. More of what we will receive from God than what we're going to do in our own estimation in mind of what we're going to do for God, let's be open-handed to find out what God would have us do and receive that from God. It's a very different way to go into a new year than what you see typically posted on social media sites. So here's the question that we have this morning. Here's the question. Who is James addressing in our text this morning? Who is James approaching? Now look with me again in verse 13. He says there, I quote, Come now, you who say. Come now, you who say. Stop. The first thing I want you to see that in the text is those two words, come now. You think, that's not very important. I think it's very important. Come now in the text, it it signifies this. It, It means literally, listen up. It means get this. So James is saying for us in, in verse 13, listen to me, please. And he's not saying please. He said, listen up. Get this, what I'm about to say. James here is rebuking those who habitually think that through, uh, through, uh, through their own thoughts or thinking, that their plans and their goals, as they think through it and try to live it out, they do so as if God did not exist. A group of people who think through what we're going to do, how we're going to do this, without God ever being in mind. As in living our lives devoid of God's instruction and care. Meaning the sin of these individuals that, that James is addressing in the letter are individuals who, who were, not that they made plans, plans we're going to see in a minute is really a good thing, However, the issue was for them that they made their plans totally ignoring and devoid of God. It is interesting that Satan himself operates in five self-centered focuses of his own. You could call these the I wills, which ultimately led to his own fall and future demise. Satan went into his 2023 at some point in history this way. And I want you to see this in Isaiah 14, 13 through 14. And this is speaking of Lucifer, the one who fell, did not ascend, as the text says, fell from heaven, not ascended to heaven. But look what Isaiah says of the morning, the bright morning star who fell. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
I will make myself like the most high. Ooh, do you, anybody, do you just feel icky right now in the room? Anybody feel icky? I feel pretty icky right now. Lucifer, the fallen one, declared five statements in Isaiah, that we see in Isaiah, that he declared of himself, I will do this thing. I have plans. I have desires. 2023 will be my year. That wasn't the year he's dealing with. It's a long time ago, right? You get what I'm talking about here. You see what I'm saying. What I want you to see is I took you to Isaiah 14, 13, and 14 for a reason. It is interesting to me that there are five statements here that Satan uses in regards to uh, what he's determined for himself. And guess what? This morning in verse 13 of our text, we actually see another five self-determined and self-focused statements. There are five here too. I don't know. Did God meant for that to happen? I don't know, but it worked really, really well. Look with me again in the text. Come now, you who say, listen up, he says. Get this. Those of you who say this, today or tomorrow, stop. Today or tomorrow is self-determined time. You wrote that. You determined that. We will go to such and such a town, such and such a city, such and such a town, some translations. This is self-determined location. So we've self-determined a time. We have self-determined a location. It goes on to say, and spend a year there. This is self-determined duration. How long we will stay in that place. And trade. This is to engage in business. This is self-determined activity and purpose. And then we see, lastly, and make a profit. This is self-determined goal. In Isaiah, we see that Satan himself says, I will, I will, I will, according to his own strength, his own purpose, his own desire. Here in verse 13, we see tomorrow, today or tomorrow, self-determined time, such and such a city, self-determined location, spend a year there, self-determined duration, engage in business, self-determined activity and purpose, make a profit and money, self-determined goal. Again, let me be very clear here, church. I do not believe that James is attacking these men on their planning. Planning is good. We'll see this in a second. James is more in opposition to their exclusion of God within their plans and in their planning. This is the issue. We see this in Luke 12, 16 through 21. Luke 12, 16 through 21 says this. And he told them a parable, meaning Jesus, saying... The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, we sh what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there, will, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, this is, this is inward, okay? Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat. Drink and be merry. I underline that because that's the importance of the text. You need to understand something. This, is, this goes to the heart of motive. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. 
Luke 12, 16 through 21 shows an individual who has many plans, many plans, many plans to do this or do that. The underlying text is soul. You have made ample goods laid up for many years. You have relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Listen, all of these things had nothing to do with God in mind at all. It was self-focused and self-centered. It had little to do with the glory of God in the planning and the making of these decisions. And this is what we see before us. Jesus says, this man goes out to set for himself these things. He puts on social media, a new me in 2023. This is my year, right? And he does not even understand that he will die tonight. What good is it? What legacy is stored up? He says, who will take over these things? He's going to die. Nice plans. God says, I have other ones. So here is the thrust of James' issue in our text this morning. It is foolishness for us, the church, the people he's talking to specifically here, for us to go into, for us, for 2023 in such a way. We can't go at a new year this way. We see this in verse 14. Here's the issue. It's already been established for us in Luke. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes. The thing that stands out is you do not know what tomorrow will bring, church. You see, running that race or that run, I have no idea if I set out to do that this week that my leg won't break somewhere. I'm resolved to work on my marriage. We have no idea whether or not me or my wife may die in a car crash. We can be resolved to get that promotion at work not knowing that layoffs are soon looming. All of these things are before us. Again, all of these are good. All of these things are worthwhile for sure. But how can you resolve to do anything when in everything you have no, listen to me, control? Okay. American Christian. This is what gets you in trouble in American culture. You have no control. What? You do have control, we'll talk about that in a minute, but in this regard, we cannot, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. So I would say, and it's like this, you know, you and I are not in the driver's seat. That's what we need to understand, that we are not in the driver's seat. And that is what's being said uh, from James to these individuals. Do not go for us in 2023, our goals and our plans, without God as the reason, his glory. And without God's strength which is our dependence that is supposed to be seen and found in him. That that literally becomes our trust, our hope, but it also becomes our joy. And the rest of the world is supposed to see us find our joy in the fact that we are dependent upon God for everything that he would provide for us. This is, too, our spiritual act of worship. And what he says here, it is interesting to me that that the young woman in that that, that post that I, I showed you earlier She stated, for all the world to see how circumstances, it's interesting to me, if you go back to that post that I read, it was her her circumstances in life that affected her back in her 2015 for us, like I said, 2022 as we look back. She said, people died. Did she have control over that? She said, someone left her, which is very sad, but did she control that? Circumstances of life affected her year. It's in her post. And then she looks at 2023 and says, bring it. I I, I just read it last year. This is going to be different? Did you learn like 
like life skills judo or karate? Like, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to fight this thing differently? Uh, last year, death took my family. Not this year. What are you going to do? Death isn't afraid of us. Did y'all know that? And yet, in 2023, she says, or that following year, bring it. Brothers and sisters, this is what James says. This talk, this thought, this way of thinking, which is, pervades our society, it is foolishness. It is just dumb talk. Her change, her happiness, she says, and all that she, I, I put in quotations here, deserves, is found and rooted in self-will, self-effort, and yes, listen church, self-desire. James says, to post like that, that is absolute rubbish. That is foolishness. And then he goes on to say here in verse 14, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. One thing I know about 2023 is this, and I'm talking about personally for me, and I'm actually saying this about you, that we are now one year closer to eternity. We are closer to the day. Whether by our death or by his return, we are closer to the day. We, are, we all live and act as if we know that we will always have tomorrow. And, and brothers and sisters, we know in this room we don't have tomorrow. We're not promised another day of life. This is a lie. No one of us can possibly know this. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it states, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here it is. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I say amen to that, amen? I want straight paths. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to your Facebook post. Look to God for straight paths. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of man. Woo, I got some of them. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Psalm 103, 15, I added this. It says, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. Man, isn't this exciting? I feel like we're back in Ecclesiastes, aren't we, church? Your life, your life is like a breath visible on a cold day. Or the steam, I, I was sitting there this morning looking over my sermon over a cup of coffee, and as I was sitting there drinking the cup of coffee, and the sunlight was coming through the, 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 the blinds, I saw the steam rise. You know what I'm talking about from the coffee, you know? Guess where the steam goes? No one knows, it just disappears. Our life is like the vapor, the, the steam that rises from a cup of coffee only to disappear. And both of these are pictures of lives, our lives in comparison to eternity, and, and our lives this side of heaven, some of us may be blessed, we may be lucky enough to live to 70 if we're, if we're, if we're lucky. And if I eat the, the, the healthy foods that was given to me by a, a, a loving church member of this church, I might make it to 70 as well. But our lives in comparison to eternity, brothers and sisters, are snapping the finger. Jackie, great life. good 
We as Christian men and women must take the time to stop in in the busyness of life and all the things that come our way to realize that we are here for just a short little time. And it is nothing in comparison to eternity. The question is, what will we do with the time that we have this side of heaven? Before we reach that point where we see God forever in eternity, what will we do this side of heaven? Listen, let me, let me say this real quick and then I'm gonna move, move on. Um, we, are per, we are created for many, many things and we need to plan out many, many things, but they need to be for the glory of Almighty God. Let me tell you one thing that you can't do in heaven. There's a couple things that we're gonna do this out of heaven and it's a picture of what is to come. We can worship him, amen? Let's worship. Let us sing. Let us read and make to his word. Let us pray. Let us make melody in our hearts. Let us do all these things. But here's the thing. We can do that this side of heaven and we will still be able to do that in heaven, but even more gloriously and more completely. Amen? If you're bored with church, listen, don't worry about it. Heaven's coming, all right? It's going to be awesome, all right? Let me tell you one thing that you can't do in heaven. You can't share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying, hell-deserving sinner. That is something that we can only do now. Do y'all get this? It's the one thing that we can do now, this side of heaven, that we will not be doing in eternity. This is what we need to give ourselves to for the glory of God, for our joy in accomplishing his task before we meet him in 15 days, 50 years, or 500 years as he returns. I don't know. And by the way, do not write in there, Kyle said, don't say that Kyle said he's coming in 500 years. I don't know. All right? You already wrote it down? Don't you do it. The date is this. You know, we'll start a whole new religion off of that. No, no. We don't know. So here is another question, church. In light of this reality, are you simply to stop planning or trying then? And the answer to that is no. Don't stop planning. Don't drop out of society or become visionless and purposeless within life. Don't do that. I'm telling you right here, don't do that. God God does not expect us. He does not desire or want us to do that. Don't be waiting your life simply as a vapor of life and it will soon disappear and we're just waiting for God to return. Don't, Don't do that. God has not made you to exist in such a manner. This is not the purpose for which he saved you. Call it the the, the frozen chosen or the holy huddle where literally we're saved and we're grateful for it. Now we're going to sit down and we're going to wait. We're getting our our lazy boy recliner and go, we're just waiting for Jesus to come back. You don't want to do that. And can I just say something in, in all the love I can muster? In the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have been saved from more than that. The joy of following Christ, to serving the king before he returns or we go to him. This is beautiful and glorious. Brothers and sisters, listen, I would say if we are bored with Christianity, it's probably because we haven't begun to live it. Exciting, it's vigorous, it is scary, it is sad, it is full of all the emotions. And and actually, all of those things point us to our desperate need of Jesus all the more. His Holy Spirit, his word in each other, amen? This is a glorious task that God has called us to. How will we approach that in this new year. And, and here, here it is. The point for James this morning is this. How, how you view the reality of life informs and shapes the way you think and how you speak about your plans. That's the, point. That's the important part here. The purpose behind and for them matters, meaning your plans. And listen, how you seek to accomplish them, it matters. How you seek to communicate them They matter. It matters. How will others be seeing us seeking to accomplish them? 
Will it be in dependence on God and for God, meaning for his glory, our joy, the good of a watching world, or in a New Year's resolution spirit of I will, watch me, just you wait, here are I, we go, self-dependence. The desire of God for you in a new year is this. Verses 14 and 16. Excuse me, 15 and 16. Instead of all that, James says, instead of all that talk, instead of all that rubbish, all that foolishness, instead of that post you post on Facebook or on Instagram or the t-shirt you just bought, instead of all that, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance All such boasting is evil. This is why it matters, church, because God created us not just to do a thing or go certain places with our bodies. He he desires for us to have certain attitudes and desires that reflect the glory and the beauty of God in them. In other words, you are not merely made to go to New York and do business. You are made to possibly go to New York with thoughts, attitudes, and words that reflect a right view of life, the source of true hope, and of the reality of God and his strength. This is what was missing in that Facebook post that I read earlier. Whatever you do, whether you eat or sleep, do it all for the glory of God. And all the things that we seek to do, listen to me real quick. We're coming really close to the conclusion here. Listen, make your plans. Make your resolutions. I've got a couple. I won't tell you what they are because I don't think I'm going to meet them. All right? And I don't want you to know that. Yeah, I don't, I'll I'll, I'll let you know one or two of them, okay? Make them, plan them, tell others for the accountability aspect of them. But brothers and sisters, depend heavily on God to accomplish any of them. We need his strength, we need his ability, but Lord, God help us to do it for more than just looking better for some Facebook posts. Or getting the attaboys at work from people who said, have you lost some weight? Did you grow more hair? It's going to be a hard one. Tell me how you do that one. Listen. It is funny, though, if I think about it, that use an analogy for a second. Some of you guys who are follically challenged, and I might be coming there too, it's like sitting there going, making a post in 2023, I will have hair this year. And just doing this. <laughs> Good luck. And if you find out how to push those things back out, I want to know. I'm going to write something about that. Send a book and make some money. Making some money in 2023, right? It's impossible without an intervention of God to do something. None of it, that post before recognized our smallest and the magnitude of the greatness of God In other words, as Christians, we must understand that once again, even as last year, in all that we are, all that we do, and all that we say, it should be done in a great motivation and desire for the glory of God. Yes, the weight you lose, the trip you take, the relationship you seek to restore, the decisions that we make as a church even must be done with great dependence and reliance upon God and desire in seeking his will for all of them. Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done as earth on earth as it is in heaven, says in the prayer. Church, 
college acres this morning, how will we be seeking him for such? How will we present ourselves in such a manner as a church, corporately, in prayer and dependence for this upcoming year? In verse 16, it says, As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil, it said. All of these plans, as a church or individually, done in the same way as the dear young woman who made her post is foolishness, and many people, even in the church, and I would say even whole churches this year, will start off today in many aspects and pulpits across America and all over the world, they will start off this year in such ways, boasting in arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Pastors who, I'm going to pick on my own. Can I do that real quick? You okay with that? Pastors who have a plan and a vision for the year. I don't need, you don't need a pastor's vision. You need God's vision. I have a plan this year, church. Run for the hills. You don't need my plan. We need God's plan. Many men and individuals will take this pulpit and take this place and they would say, thus saith the Lord. And brothers and sisters, listen to me. I need you to hear something from me and three other pastors of this church. Who cares about thus saith Kyle or any other man? Thus saith God's word. What does it establish? What does it teach? What should we do in leaning in obedience to it? That's what we must be about this time of year. Yes, into a new year. It says that they boast. The word boast means to be loud mouth. It means to speak loudly. That is what's here in our text this morning. In other words, James here is saying of these individuals, those who deny God in such ways are in effect boasting. They're being loud mouthed. They are speaking loudly in their arrogance. The arrogance is their ability to do things apart from God. Able to do things apart from his word. Able to do things apart from his spirit to accomplish these things. By the, in, by the intellect of man, by our creativity, with our abilities, with our strength, with our great books, and our, whatever it may be, they boast, they speak loudly in their arrogance. He goes on to say, all such empty, arrogant, foolish boasting, James warns in our text this morning, is evil. It's evil. It's as if me as a pastor seeks to steal a little bit of the glory or a lot of glory from God. We were able to do things as a church because have you seen our pastor? Have you seen our leadership? Have you seen that thing or that thing? You can point to whatever it may be. If it is something, if it is something that sits under the glory and the prestige and the honor of God, it is an idol. Your music can be an idol. Your church building can become an idol. Your pastor can be an idol. Your husband or wife can be an idol. You get what I'm getting at real quick? God, we must decrease. You must increase. Verse 17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. This is a text that points us to the sins of omission. There are sins that you commit. That's, we commit sin. And then there are sins of omissions. There's things that we know we ought to do, but we do not do. And, and I love this because it's really important. We always want to define sin as being that thing that you do. You did something that was bad. Shame on you. That's, that's, that wasn't glorifying to God. But here's the thing. What about cowardness? What about being lacking boldness? What about lacking love? What if we sit there and we know we ought to do something? We should stand up and speak or we should stand up and do or we should act on, some ha- on somebody's behalf and yet we do not do it. He said the sin of omission is this. When we know we ought to do something and we don't do it, that for us is also sin. We're in trouble, aren't we, church? We do sins of committing all the time. Very rarely we talk about the sins of omitting, sins of omission. 
for which I got good news. The blood of Jesus Christ covered them both. Amen? He covers both the sins of commission and the sins of omission. But in the context of our text this morning, what are we failing to do? What is the sin of omission here? The sin of omission in our text is going out there with all our plans and with all our thinkings without God. Knowing the right you ought to do, being closely connected to the hem of his garment, close to his word, his people, and the Holy Spirit. When we go out there and we run out there like we're in our own strength, it is a sin for us. We're omitting something that is very important to our testimony as believers. We, all of us in this room, need Christ. Amen? We need the gospel of his, the good news of the gospel. We need the power of his spirit. We need these things in order to accomplish anything of real worth. In other words, don't live like practical atheists this new year, church. What do you mean by that? Kyle, I'm not an atheist. No, you're not an atheist. You believe in God. You just live your lives as if though he doesn't exist. I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying let's be careful of that. May the world see us depend greatly upon God for everything that is before us and as a church. Here is my conclusion. May we establish in all our resolutions, in all our plans, in our upcoming year, as Jonathan Edwards stated in 1722 at the age of 18, no matter what we seek to do, no matter what we want to do or hope to do, personally or corporately as a church in the new year, let us remember this line that he wrote before he started his 70 resolutions. Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help. I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. In the next four weeks, church, we will be preaching through areas where your leadership is currently praying that God will lead us in 2023. You could say their vision, their plans. I don't say all that. I say it is our hope, it is our desire, it's something that we're seeking to pray through. These are your pastor's resolutions, as it were, in regards to this church. However, let us understand that we desire such for God's glory alone. And we only desire to achieve anything if, in fact, it is the Lord's will. May God give us wisdom, and listen to me, may he give your pastors discernment and boldness to walk away from something that looks good but is not his will. Whether it be an easy thing for us to accomplish or a difficult path for us to take, may we do it in the glory of God, in his will, and in his strength alone. And all these things, we will be dependent upon him over ourselves to accomplish any of it in the new year in 2023. Amen? Let us be a church found doing so. May we look at 2023 and what we seek to accomplish personally and as a church together. Let me say this. In the same way that I hope that many of you in this room today, many people are gone, there's so many people that are still, college students still here, but you are here this morning that are here, listen to me, in the same way that you've trusted Jesus Christ with your salvation. Hopefully you have. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross, cross I cling, naked come to thee for dress, Lord save me or I die. Rock of ages cleft for me. In the same way that you hopefully are minded often of your sinfulness apart from Jesus Christ, a holy and just God, that we have no hope, restoration, uh, uh, relationship broken. Christ comes in, our sin, Christ comes in 
brings restoration to that, uh, that, 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 that relationship once again, that we're established in Jesus Christ, that we put our faith, hope, trust in all that he has done, but it doesn't leave us there. It doesn't just save us. It saves us for purpose and resolution that we now get to be called sons and daughters of God. On this earth, being able to do accomplish things, legacy building that will, will outlive us way long after we have ever gone and left this earth. Do we trust the new year? And I hope in the same way that we've trusted God for our very own salvation in Jesus Christ. We must. Church, we must. And if you have not begun to do that, please come and talk to me now. Do not be like the fool who ran into a new year as if though somehow or another by the picking up of the bootstraps that they can accomplish something of real worth. We can do nothing apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrecting power at that cross. Brothers and sisters, let us pray this morning together if we will. Before I do that, before I do that, let me read the text again. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. We know the right thing to do. To plan and to walk one foot in front of the other, constantly seeking to do what God would have us to do. But listen, listen, always being tethered to God's will and his word to accomplish these things. Let us move, let us get going, but let us do it tethered closely to God and not from him.